Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 137, Writing What You Love, an interview with Cassidy Carter, coming to you on Thursday, April 11th, 2019. Just because I think it's fun to just relax and be myself and be transparent, I will tell you, this is the second time that I recorded that intro because I said it was 2018. It's not 2018. (laughs) It's April, for heaven's sakes. April showers and April flowers because we already have flowers here in Sweden. Yay! In my part of Sweden, I have no idea if there are flowers everywhere yet or if we still have snow in the northern areas. I would guess probably snow. But in any case, whenever and wherever we are, it is not 2018. (laughs) But if you are uh, writing something that is uh, historical, then, you know, let it be whatever year you want it to be. I just had a fun interview with Cassidy Carter, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Um, She is another example of someone who wrote one style of book because she really liked it. And then time goes by, and she's writing a different style of book now because she really likes it. And she might be writing another different kind of book. And it'll be because she really likes it. So while some people um, say that writing to market is good, some people say it's bad, the point is, what do you like to do? And what are you good at? And what do you love? Because I have always noticed that when I am writing something because I just want to tell this story, regardless of whether or not I think there's going to be people around to want to read it later, in the first draft, if I'm writing it because I love it, it is a much better story. At least that's the kind of writer I am. So if you are the kind of writer who just needs a little bit of encouragement to get out there and keep writing what you love, then this is your show. If this is a time that you need a little bit of a push because, yeah, I know, Kitty, you've been talking about Hallmark and now you've got me thinking about it, but I haven't actually sent them anything yet, then this is another good nudge because Cassidy's writing for Hallmark right now and she's got some great tips on things that you need to know if you're thinking about submitting. So wherever you are and whatever you're doing, whether it's spring because you're in the Northern Hemisphere with me, or if it's autumn, which has its own lovely joys if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, I hope you have a fabulous day with just the right amount of sun so you're not too hot and not too cold and you get totally inspired to go write another scene in the book that you really love. (laughs) Meanwhile, here is Cassidy. Today's guest is Cassidy Carter. With strong, relatable heroines and heroes too lovable not to fall for, Cassidy Carter crafts sweet, fun, family-centered romances that will win readers' hearts. When she's not writing, Cassidy can be found digging in the garden or lost in a good book. Originally from the South, she now resides in the desert Southwest with her husband, two daughters, and a cattle dog that has never seen a lick of ranch work. Welcome, Cassidy. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to have another Hallmark author on the show. I love the Hallmark uh, whole, um, the entire corporate scheme. I just love the cards, the movies, the books. I was so excited to find out that they were finally coming out with books. So yay for Hallmark Publishing. Yay, we love Hallmark. (laughs) And that's pretty much, uh, if I'm reading your uh, webpage, right? Like this is who you write for right now is Hallmark. Is that right? Yes, currently I am only writing for uh, Hallmark. Nice. Well, listen, why don't you tell us a little bit about your your writing background, and then I'll uh, ask you to tell us more about the the brand new book, Love on Location. 
Um, well, actually, I started out writing for Karina Press uh, in 2009. Um, if anybody out there doesn't know, Karina Press is the digital first imprint of Harlequin. And um, they launched, like I said, in I think it was 2009. I was one of the launch titles with them. Uh, one of the first books that came out with the imprint. And I went on to eight different titles with them took a break from writing because I had my daughters and then came back to writing and just luckily um, happened to be in a writing forum that Stacey Donovan, the publishing director of Hallmark, is actually part of. And so she and I connected that way after I kind of was uh, getting back into the writing game. And I was like, you know, I, I think this, this feels good. You know, this feels right for this time. So I actually novelized one of the Hallmark movies, The Perfect Catch which was a lot of fun and Hallmark opened up to original uh, fiction after they did their first round of novelizations. I submitted a book, they picked it up and I guess the rest has been uh, published last week. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I came back to writing uh, just for Hallmark and it just, it feels like a really good fit for me right now. So that's kind of where I'm focusing. Nice. Oh, I like it. Yeah, I um, I have to say that these novelizations have been fun also, especially if you're like, oh, I remember that movie. And then oh, I think I'll just pick up the book and read more. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. It gives you like an extra chance to expand on what you might not see on screen. And it's a little less limited than the time that they get with the film and with the characters. So it gives you like a little more, a little more of the luxury of, of going deeper. Yeah, yeah. So let me say, uh, in the time that you and I are talking, big congratulations. This is actually going to air a few weeks later. So your book will have been out about a month by the time that everybody else gets to hear. But congratulations, right. your, your book just came out. Yes, um, it came out on the 12th. And um, of course, it's been very overwhelming. I've gotten to talk to a lot of people and, you know, when this airs, of course, this will be over, but I'm doing a signing um, here in a couple of days and a writing workshop. And I just joined my local chapter of RWA. So it's uh, getting to be part of Hallmark and getting back into writing with Hallmark has really kind of gotten me re-energized for writing in general and craft and networking and all this stuff like that. So it's not just the excitement of the book. It's kind of the excitement of getting back into like the romance community, which I guess is really something like I didn't realize I really, really missed during my break. Um, really missed being away from and so that's kind of an additional excitement. But yes, the book is out. Yay. Yay. <laughs> now, I have to stop for one second and say uh, you are, um, well, just in case you don't want to say, I, I won't um, be specific, but is it the Desert Rose chapter that you just joined of RWA? Yes. Mm -hmm. That yes. was my first chapter. Yay. First Hi, Roses. Hi, Roses. <laughs> Oh my gosh, those are the first people to really encourage me and love on me. And um, I love that group. This is a great group. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, just uh, being able to kind of get back into that network, meet other writers at different stages. And I think maybe I'm in a position now where I can help the way that others helped me when I first started writing. So I'm really excited about that aspect oh, of joining RWA, where if I had joined it when I was younger, I would have gotten. Uh, I'm sure the support from a beginning writer's aspect. Now I kind of feel like in a better position to where, not like I'm an expert, but I've got a, got a couple battle scars. And um, so I'm really excited to help young writers, you know, new writers myself. So yay. Yay. Mm -hmm. 
Awesome. Well, listen, so Love on Location is the first original novel that you've written with Hallmark. So tell us a little bit about it. Tell us, uh, give us the story and then maybe, um, you know, just share if there's, uh, you know, some stories that you want to tell us that you're like, oh yeah, there's this thing or uh, maybe the difference between writing for Hallmark versus a while back writing for Karina. Just, uh, yeah, start wherever you feel like. So Love on Location is the story of Wyatt and Delaney. They are best friends since childhood, and they run a campground called Cabins in the Pines. And it was, it's actually been in the hero Wyatt's family for generations. It was his father's and his grandfather's. And um, he has since inherited it, and it's become his responsibility. And it's not doing really well. A highway bypass has come along um, that... Uh, reroutes traffic to where it doesn't let off right next to the pines and so they you really have to look for them and they're not very modern you know it's not very fancy it's very rustic and so they don't even have a website they don't have um any of the amenities of like you know a high-tech campground where someone would go park their big luxury rv and it's basically like staying at your house yeah. um, <laughs> but um so delaney who is the manager at the campground, auditions the Pines for a TV show called The ABCs of Business. And she doesn't tell Wyatt about it. And because she's not sure if it's going to happen or not. Well, they pick the campground uh, to be the subject of an episode of this reality television show where the host comes in, she evaluates the business. And if she likes it, she invests, she improves it. She kind of helps them out of their slump. Um, but there's a little kind of TV magic that happens there where for the drama of the show, the things that are going to be shown on the television show aren't necessarily the things that are true about the campground. And um, so the, obviously he agrees to have the show come. It's the last kind of a ditch effort thinking that this is their solution for saving the campground and uh, craziness ensues. You know, it's not what they expected. Uh, in addition, uh, the host uh, has a little, I'm going to leave it up to you guys to discover whether it's real or not in the book, but the host seems to be putting the moves on Wyatt, which kind of makes Delaney feel like, wait a minute, he's mine. Uh, <laughs> and they're forced to confront feelings that they've had for each other for years and years and years, and it's always kind of been in front of them, but they've gotten into the routine of life and the weight of all their responsibilities and they don't see what's directly in front of them. So it's just the story of how they cope with the, the show coming in and is the business going to uh, fail or succeed. And then by the very end, you know, is the most important thing, which is each other. Like, what is that going to be like from the beginning of the book to the end? Is that going to change? Are they going to get together or um, are all the obstacles in between going to be something that keeps them apart? That's kind of what the book is about. Um, <laughs> Plus a whole bunch of really quirky side characters who are really fun. Oh, yeah. So the Pines has a staff and I say staff, but they're more like a family. We have Wyatt's uh, aunt Ursula, who is the receptionist. We have an on-site diner at the Pines called the Bean Pot. And it's run by Maisie, who is really close friends with uh, Wyatt and Delaney, and she's kind of the sassy uh, manager of the Beanpot. We have Slater, who's the maintenance man, and just they're just this warm, nice little family, and they've been they've been together for years. And so that's a secondary, even level above the the romance between the hero and the heroine, and that relationship. There's all these little relationships that can change as a result of the show 
you know, as a result of the business failing, and as a result of even if White and, and Delaney were to get together, uh, is that going to change the dynamic at work? So it's kind of like everyone's trying to juggle everything and, and everyone's trying to keep everybody together and make sure that the important stuff doesn't change. And it, sometimes you just have to figure out what the most important thing is and let go of everything else. So that's the journey there. And and I really love the secondary characters in this book. Like yeah. they're they're just as important to me as the main romance so much so that I even have like other book ideas for my secondaries. Cause I just see them all as, you know, real people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have to say, uh, Slater was kind of just the maintenance man to me for a while until he was like, well, I got to get out on the, the bike trails, you know, before I, yeah, I don't know, whatever, uh, whatever his reason was, I have to, I have to get out on the bike trail. So I'll, I'll be back later. And I'm like, Oh, and all of a sudden, he became a different character in my mind. Like, yeah. oh, he's a little bit like my brother-in-law. Or, well, right, right. And they all, that's what I try to do with all the secondaries is sometimes you'll read a book and the, it, the main focus is the hero and the heroine. Of course, everybody wants to be invested in their love story, but your secondaries just seem like they're there to support that and only that. Yeah. But I wanted this to be a whole world where these people exist independently and separately of each other. You know, they choose to be in this place and to, to have relationships with each other and to build this world. And even though it's fictional, that happens in our everyday lives, you know. Yeah. Well, of course, we're all the star of our own book. But, like, we have all these people orbiting us that are very unique individuals and they're whole people in and of themselves. And so when I wrote uh, love on location. I didn't want everyone that was secondary just to be there to support the romance. You know, mm -hmm. I wanted it to be a whole world that seemed realistic um, so that you invested in everybody, so that you invested in the romance, in the secondaries, in the world. Because there's little bits of, of all of our, our worlds, you know, in there. Yeah. It reminds you of your brother-in-law, you know, maybe uh, Maisie reminds somebody else of, you know, their, uh, friend from college who you know waitress to pay for college and she had that same kind of sass or you know whatever little experiences are through the book like I wanted to put enough in there that it didn't seem like uh flat aside yeah. from that that main plot line yeah and there was actually two two major parts of the story that I was like okay I have to ask you because you wrote them so well and they're both things that I have personal experience with so I had to ask do you have any personal experience with reality tv because I've worked in reality tv and I thought that you did a pretty good job of making it sound right well um I, I appreciate that it's very sweet um I don't have any working experience in reality tv but um during the course of writing the book, I watched a lot of reality TV. <laughs> mostly, yeah. mostly the, I'm not a big fan of like the follow people around kind of reality TV, but the save the business shows, I love. Yeah. Like I love The Profit and I love Hotel Hell and like all the old, anything, um, Bar Rescue, you know, anywhere where they're going in. There's kind of twofold. I love, um, kind of trying to work out like what was actually wrong with the place versus what they're showing you on TV. <laughs> yeah. And then I love the before and after for all of the makeovers. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite parts. I love to see what they do like inside a place and then they'll do the big reveal at the end and oh, it's so much better. So um, I did watch a lot of reality TV while I was drafting. 
It's funny because even though, uh, you know, I worked in it, I actually mostly would say that I don't like reality TV, mostly, except yeah. for there's a couple of them. Like, um, I, I never watched it when I was at my house, but I would be at other people's houses for whatever reason. And it seemed like extreme, um, extreme makeover home edition of, mm -hmm. you know, seemed to be on all the time for a couple of years. And I would be like, oh, okay, I got to watch this, but where's the Kleenex? Cause I know I'm going to need them. <laughs> oh yeah. The ones, and you know, there's some of them, like some of the hotel hell episodes, like you expect Gordon Ramsay to go in and just be mean to like everybody. And just like right. the, the master chef thing where he's like, this is raw. It's throwing plates and stuff. But there was a couple episodes of hotel hell where I cried. There was one where, uh, like a, a lodge had kind of gone, a family lodge had kind of gone to um, disrepair and kind of in a big slump because it was a husband and wife that ran it and the wife got sick. And so they did a big segment. I mean, it was a big chunk of the introduction just going on about how she got ill. And, and, um, and so it was like a tearjerker and all. And then Gordon Ramsay was like so nice about it. And he was like, we're going to get you back. And I was like, somebody get me some Kleenex but um so it, it tells you not all reality tv of course we know it's not all real but there are real people behind the shows and so there was another little aspect like that kind of sparked the idea was there are real people behind the shows and there's stuff that you don't see you know and you wonder people's uh motivations for bringing the shows in it's not always like fame and fortune and oh i want to be the next like reality tv show sometimes people do they get to a point where they need something to help them and and i'm sure some of these shows are very beneficial but you're right it get, the market got flooded there for a while and it was just nothing but reality tv <laughs> But it's funny because you did a really good job, I thought, of um, you had a couple of characters who were uh, with the TV show that got a lot more, um, you know, I always say screen time, which is right. ironic, but, <laughs> um, and you did such a great job of making them, um, you know, layered so that they weren't just, you know, they, they weren't the bad guy. They were right. just people doing their jobs the way right. that they, yeah, could do them best, so. Right. Nicely done. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so the other thing I had to ask was, uh, I grew up in the country and there were these, um, you know, drive-in kind of like uh, KOA campgrounds and stuff like mm -hmm. that, where it's literally just like a, a cleared patch for you to park your car and, and mm -hmm. a, a group shower that is, you know, cement right. walls and stuff. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I've been like, this is a much better campground than some of the ones that I spent time in as a little kid. And I was just wondering, is this based on like some memory that you have or places that you've been? It's based on a couple places I've been. We, uh, uh, my family camps uh, quite a bit, and we have been to a lot of KOA campgrounds and uh, so a couple smaller local campgrounds, and the Cabins in the Pine is like a mishmash of a bunch of different places. So we love to go up to northern Arizona. I'm sure uh, you know Flagstaff area, yeah. Williams, uh, the Prescott area, all these places where you just go, you know, two or three hours north of here, and it's like a whole different world. You know, you don't have desert sand and, and cactus. You have pine trees and snow. And yeah. so um, <laughs> it's uh, a lot of these places have a lot of, like, family amenities, but they're not necessarily high-tech either. There are campgrounds. Yeah there's camp resorts now, you know, 
RVs are so prevalent that there are resorts now that you can buy into where you park your RV and it's basically just like there's a jacuzzi and a heated swimming pool and, you know, a fitness club and you might as well be staying at a resort. But the campgrounds that we like, they have, you know, the little pedal cars and log playgrounds and and things like that. They have the, the fire circle and, and, and the little cabins that you can rent and things like that. So yeah. the cabins in the pines, it's not high tech. <laughs> it, is a, it is a mishmash of all the things that we enjoyed from several places that we've been. Yeah. Well, so to some degree, um, your writing research for this, it sounds like writing research that writers do on just about anything. They're taking some experiences that they've had. They spend a lot of time delving into something. Even it's like, sorry, honey, I got to watch three more hours of this reality TV show. (laughs) Honest, it's for work. (laughs) (coughs) Right, right. (laughs) Uh, Was there anything um, unusual or weird or something that you found out that you didn't know where you're like, oh my gosh, I got to add that. I I didn't know about. Because it, I wouldn't know, uh, like I, c- I couldn't think of something specific in the book, but I just wondered, because I personally like to write stuff where the research is minimal. <laughs> I, like, I like writing things out of like my own experiences, memory, and imagination. Right, right. Well, um, oh, there's a little uh, funny little Easter egg in there, the cabins in the pines, when the campground gets renovated they put up a cell tower because cell reception is so bad at the cabins in the pines that they have resorted to using walkie talkies. Just when the book opens, that's what they use between the staff in order to call back and forth to each other. Because if they're out on the campground doing stuff, they can't call up to the office because the cell reception is so bad. So they put up a cell tower. The show does. They managed to get one erected. And in order to have it blend in with the landscape, it's disguised as a pine tree. And so up in that same area in uh, northern Arizona, that's how the cell towers are disguised. <laughs> you can see them as you're driving around, and if you don't know that they're there and they're in a tree line or close to a tree line, you m- almost would miss them. But uh, I actually snapped a picture, and I'll have to share it on Twitter. Uh, last time we were up there, just last week, uh, of a cell tower disguised as a pine tree. <laughs> and I was going to post it and say, see, they do exist. Yeah. Um, So that wasn't necessarily a research thing, but that was just a funny little thing I put in there like that. I want everybody out there to know it's real. And I'm sure that they, uh, they're disguised as other things in other environments because down here, you know, in the Valley, they're disguised as palm trees. You can drive down the freeway and you'll see a cell tower, but you won't know it's a cell tower because there's big fake palm leaves coming out of it. So I don't know. I don't know if they do it in other parts of the country. We'll have to ask all of your uh, listeners, yeah. if you guys are out there and uh, cell towers are disguised as anything weird in your area, please take a picture and show it to us. Yes, definitely. Because I've seen the pine tree ones, but I'm just sitting here going, okay, I, I'm positive that the palm tree ones didn't exist when I lived there. But they're here. I, I, I now I kind of, you know what? If you ever take a picture of one of those, I've got to start following you on Twitter because I want to see what I a palm will. tree is. I'll be like, Yes, I'll be Central Arizona, Northern Arizona. I'll post a picture of both of them. <laughs> nice. Okay, yeah. and I will look around and ask everybody in Sweden: Is do we do we make cell towers into any? Do we like, disguise them? Is <laughs> anything? Yeah. 
And I'm not, I don't know if it's, it's just aesthetic. I would assume it's just aesthetic because, and then, I, yeah, I'd like to hear the story of who makes those. Like, where's the factory that manufactures a fake palm or pine tree cell tower? Like, is yeah. that a big, is that a lucrative enough thing that there's a company? <laughs> right, right. You know, and the first person to have come up with that idea, was it someone in the cafeteria? Did they get credit or did somebody right. like purposely? Yeah. Was it like a, like a municipal ordinance? Someone says, by golly, you're not putting a cell tower up there unless it looks like a pine tree. Uh, <laughs> or who, like, was it a requirement or did somebody just go, you know what, that would look better. Let's do that. Yeah, there was like six guys sitting at the bar after work drinking some beers. Wouldn't it be funny if we made the one that looked like a pine tree? And then Jeez. it just caught on and everybody thinks it's really serious, but they're just copying somebody who made a joke in the first place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be hilarious. We have to do more research on that. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I, I think now that there's a, there's a reason why the, the hero actually has to come from this, this industry. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um, let's see. So I asked you about the reality TV. I really wanted to know about that and the campground because it sounded so realistic and it's so hard not to say anything <laughs> about the story because I'm like, oh, don't say that because that could give something away. Oh, don't say that because I don't want anybody to, because uh, the book's brand new and everybody should go read it because it was really fun. <laughs> well, thanks. Um, but so what about differences between um, so do you consider this romantic comedy or like light romance? And what's the difference between this and the first several books that you wrote? So Hallmark is, at least in my opinion, and in, in kind of the general consensus that I have experienced, is uh, called sweet romance. And the difference between this and what I wrote for Karina is it, Karina was contemporary romance, and it's a higher heat level of writing. Um, There are love scenes in my previous books, um, whereas in Hallmark, um, they're a very uh, all-ages brand. Uh, They're a very wholesome brand. They like for uh, things to just be kept very light as far as the physical aspects of the book. There's hand-holding, and there's kissing and things like that but um there would not be a love scene in a hallmark book and uh, you always try and kind of support in in a sweet romance the the hand holding or the kissing and then they it's all very emotional and it's not necessarily the same as in a higher heat book where it can start out as physical and then turn emotional uh so it's just a different way of approaching the physical nature of the book in relation to the characters' relationships. Um, there's a bit of a broader um, area to kind of like play with in a, a higher heat romance. And there's a lot uh, more uh, options. There's a lot of different things that you can do with that because obviously getting physical between two characters can mean many, many, many different things as far as it relates to character. But in a Hallmark, in a sweet romance, the focus is on their relationship and their emotion and more of the people around them, the relationships around them. So you're just building on something a little different, in my opinion. Um, That doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It just means that they're different. I enjoy writing both of them for different reasons. Um, But uh, like I said, right now, Hallmark just really fits with where I'm at, what I like to write, 
and where I kind of see myself continuing to write for the time being. You know, I just like you said, I love the Hallmark, the whole Hallmark construct. You know, I love yeah. the channel. I love the movies. Uh, I love the books. Um, and it just they're very feel good. And the fans are amazing. Uh, there's a whole just army out there of Hallmarkies <laughs> and they're so sweet and they're so supportive. And it, like I said, coming back to writing, this just really felt like a good fit for me. So yeah. it's not that I'll never go back to writing in a contemporary or higher heat uh, genre for romance, just, you know, for right now, this like feels good for me. So I'm going to stay. <laughs> nice. I like it. Now, so I've I heard about the Hallmarkies, but I don't really know anything about them. So for uh, writers who are listening who might be interested or are pursuing, I know some of our listeners actually are pursuing uh, Hallmark as a publisher. Uh, is there anything that you know that you can pass on? Like, are they all over 65? Are they all ages? Are they, is there anything about them that you can share that's like, oh, this is what they love or. <laughs> well, they're all ages, you know, we have teenage fans all the way up to, like you said, uh, fans who are, you know, retired and uh, just into uh, Hallmark. <laughs> There's yeah. a hashtag on Twitter. It's Hallmarkies, uh, H-A-L-L-M-A-R. K-I-E-S. And there's lots of Hallmark hashtags, depending on if you follow certain shows, but the main hashtag is Hallmarkies. And um, they're a very loyal, very sweet fan base. Uh, they really love the on-brand stuff for Hallmark. So, and this is kind of good advice for anybody who's submitting anywhere. It's not just specific to Hallmark, but um, paying attention to the readership, the audience, the fans is a really big and important thing if you're planning on submitting anywhere, Hallmark, Harlequin, anywhere. Um, you know, pay attention to what they buy, what they watch, what they talk about on social media, and pay attention to your publisher's guidelines. Because I know one of the big uh, stumbling blocks with uh, a lot of people when they submit uh, is that they submit something that's outside the publisher's brand or guidelines. Right, right. Uh, you know, Hallmark is not going to, they're not even going to read your, you know, high heat uh, erotic romance about, you know, uh, two people, one person from New York and one person from LA meeting on a road trip um, because for whatever reason, but um, you just really have to pay attention because you know, Hallmark, they lay everything out on their submissions page, you know, yeah. they don't want uh, certain things because they're very brand conscious. And that's because their consumer consumes a certain type of story and consumes a certain type of kind of feeling. And yeah. they want to continue to provide that. And so if it's not the right fit, people will be disappointed that they got rejected but if you pay attention in the first place, you'll find the fit for your story. And don't force yourself to write for Hallmark if you're not a Hallmark writer. Right. If that's not something that you enjoy, if you're just doing it because, you know, oh, Hallmark has an open submissions period and I'm going to try and shoehorn in something that I have because, you know, they're acquiring manuscripts. Yeah. Um, 
write what you love. And it doesn't matter what that is. It's completely valid, 100%. And there is someone out there that you can submit your work to. But uh, that's the best advice that I can give. And uh, if you're into Hallmark and you want to know what the Hallmarkies are up to, hashtag Hallmarkies. Uh, it's always fun. It's always like super like, like warm and welcoming. And they will welcome you into the fold, whether you have been watching Hallmark for you just subscribed yesterday or you've been watching for 10 years. So nice. Oh, that's awesome. I don't know that I've actually followed them. I, um, I follow Stacy, Stacy Donovan, the uh, director of publishing. And who's amazing. Yeah. She, I, she's so adorable. I've had her on the show and I just love her. I love her. Um, Yeah. Right. I think she has her own fan base. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But, um, if anybody uh, is listening now who uh, hasn't heard me say this before, following Stacy on Twitter is a great way to get extra tips because absolutely she, she will tell questions. you. Yeah, yeah, she answers questions. She'll respond um, if something crops up that they're experiencing, like uh, in their submissions. Uh, one of the big things that I saw recently was no animals in peril, no kids in peril. Um, she'll post little tips like that that will help you hone what you're doing. If you're close, let you comb through your manuscript and say, oh, well, did I, you know, have this one tiny aspect that I might change that doesn't fundamentally change my writing that would make this a good fit for Hallmark. So those little things I think are really good. And that's a great tip. Definitely follow Stacy. But uh, again, kind of goes back to if, if you, you don't want to change, you know, what you love and what you're passionate about in order to do this. But those little tweaks can definitely help if this is something that you're really into and you just want to make sure that it's perfect in order yeah. to submit it. Yeah. Yeah. Just I think avoid that's, those little roadblocks. Yeah. 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 Great advice. Um, some people, uh, they say they're good at it and I'm not arguing with them. Some people uh, apparently just have a, a way of writing where they can write to market even if the markets are really different from the last thing that they wrote, mm-hmm. that's perf- perfectly fine. But for most people, I think that we write the best books when they're the things that are the story we really wanted to tell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. Speaking of stories we really want to tell, are you in a position where you can tell us what stories you're telling next? Well, I would love, uh, nothing is, is for sure yet, but I would love to continue the Cabins in the Pines books. I do have a couple ideas for additional books, uh, one that's already mapped out and another that's just an idea. And then I would love to write a cozy mystery. Um, <gasps> I'm also a big fan of cozy mysteries. I love them. And so I ha- also have a cozy mystery series uh, outlined and so there's just a couple things up in the air for me right now. I don't know what's going to shake out. Hopefully I will soon. Yeah. But uh, either one, my ideal would be to write a romance and a cozy mystery every year. Oh, um, nice. To just kind of switch it up and give myself uh, a little bit of a different challenge, uh, the structure of a cozy mystery and figuring out the clues and how to hide them. It's like that is really fun to me. So my ultimate goal. That's my ultimate goal. When, you know, if we were, were mapping out my next five years, I would love to alternate between sweet romance and cozy mystery. Nice. I have had a couple of um, mystery slash 
when I say slash, I don't mean the same people. Uh, I've had several guests on who have been mystery and or suspense thriller and or romantic suspense writers. And some of them have had this just great advice on writing mysteries where I'm like, okay, can we just cut the shirt? Because I have an idea now. I just need to go write it down. Yeah, I got to go write this book. Thank you. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I will ask you because I've been sort of trying to pay attention, but um, Hallmark Publishing is open to cozy mysteries, but I don't think they've actually published one yet, have they? They have acquired one. Um, I don't recall the name of it now, but they have acquired one. It's not out yet. So I think it's still in process, but they have contracted for one. And I believe it's a series about sisters who uh, are detectives together. I don't, I'm not 100% recalling the setup, but uh, yes, they have acquired one. And I know that Stacy just went to Sleuth Fest, uh, which is nice. a convention, convention, and she was taking pitches. So hopefully soon, Hallmark will be... Um, putting out some cozy mysteries because I know the Hallmark Movies and Mysteries channel is also a big thing and um, yeah. does very well and has, again, a very loyal fan base. So, Yes, I very much like that channel too. <laughs> I love that channel. I watch Hallmark or Hallmark Mysteries. Like, I'll just put it on the background or um, I've posted pictures of this online too. I will go run at the gym and put Hallmark or like Hallmark Movies and Mysteries on and just run. On your phone? I love, I know the, the, the screens at the gym. Oh, on the yeah. I'm like, excuse me. I'm gonna put some Hallmark on here. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, um, watching the news in a language that I cannot read or understand, uh, definitely puts me in more of a zone kind of place for running. Like I'm definitely not thinking of anything cause I can't understand what's being right. said, but now you've got me thinking, I could put Netflix on my phone and run for a lot longer because I'd be, yeah. sometimes I like make up rules for myself. I'm like, okay, you can watch TV for as long as you're willing to be exercising at the same time or, you know, running or whatever. But then you can't watch a whole movie without collapsing. <laughs> that's, true, that's true. It's going to have to be a TV show. Yeah. The summer running season, you know, it's coming up. We've got the yeah. 5Ks and 10Ks already opening. So yeah. It could, it could happen, but you know, walking or running on the sidewalk. Um, I did sort of try something once. Let me just tell you, um, chaos will ensue. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. Don't try audio, it. Running yeah. Audiobooks are a good thing. If you, if you are running outdoors too. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have like it, to do that. Have your books been um, made or optioned? Like, are they going to be audiobooks? Yes. Yeah, so, Love on Location is out in audiobook now. Uh -huh. um, I don't believe I don't believe Perfect Catch is yet the novelization, but I know that Hallmark has partnered with Dreamscape to produce audiobooks of all the releases going forward. I'm not sure about backlist, but yeah. And I have listened to the Love on Location, and I love the narrator. They did really? a really good job. So if, if uh, the books kind of aren't your thing, or you're one of those people that commutes a long way, or you like to listen to books while you run or just around the house, um, they do a fantastic job. The production quality is so good. So oh, nice. All right. I have to go listen. I have to do a little listen. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we've talked about uh, what's coming up. Um, you're about ready to go teach your writers. Um, I, you didn't say conference, you said workshop. Uh, mm -hmm. Is there any other tips? We've, you've, thank you. You've given us a lot of great tips. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to offer as far as, you know, writing tips for listeners? Um, 
I think we've pretty much covered everything. The thing with Hallmark, if someone is hoping to submit to Hallmark, is be very conscious of the brand. Pay really close attention to the guidelines and definitely follow Stacy. Those are my top three if you want to submit to Hallmark. And read the books, you know? Yeah. Read the books and see what they're doing structurally, you know, what they're doing content wise, what's not there. Cause uh, a lot of times if you will read something that they've put out and then you can compare it to what you have and say, Oh, okay, well this element is definitely in mine, but it's not in theirs. So maybe it's not on brand. Um, like I said, it's not to say that anything that anybody has in their book that's off brand is bad because it's definitely not anything that anybody wants to write. I say, go for it. I think writing is incredible. No matter what genre, what heat level, what the content of your book is just go out there and write. But if you're, you're hoping to submit and be successful in homework, it's a very brand conscious line. So you just need to, to be very specific in what you're writing and make sure that if you're targeting them for publishing that you're you're very conscious of that. Uh, so that's the biggest tips I have as far as the Hallmark thing goes. We are doing a workshop on structure uh, uh, and that will be coming up. Uh, it will have aired, or I'm sorry, <laughs> see, I'm stuck <laughs> in your TV. I'm stuck yeah. in your TV wording, screen time. That will have happened already by the time this uh, gets posted. But uh, if everyone is, if anyone is interested, you know, it might be that maybe I do a writing Q and A on Twitter where I can cover some of the stuff that people might have questions about as far as writing sweet romance or writing for Hallmark or whatever. I, uh, I could definitely uh, look into doing that. So maybe I can just have a Q and A people can come follow me on social media and throw their writing questions at me. That's perfectly fine. I think that'd be fun. <laughs> Awesome. That's a great idea. And you know, as long as you're mentioning it, uh, why don't you make sure everybody knows your Twitter handle so they can um, make a my, note? My Twitter handle is at Cass Carter Books. That's C-A-S-C-A-R-T-E-R-B-O-O-K-S. So Cass Carter Books. Um, my website is CassCityCarter.com and I have a couple other social media links on there, but I'm most active on Twitter. So if you want to get me, follow me on Twitter. I'll probably answer you within five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Awesome. This has been great. So um, if people want to read the books that we've been talking about, and I hope that they do, because, um, you know, again, sorry, but, oh, I just have to go read this book because it's for research. <laughs> yes, exactly. One of the, oh, yeah, Nancy Nagel's new book. I haven't, I bought it I, on, I think the day it came out. I haven't actually gotten that one read yet. Oh, secret Ingredient? Yeah. Oh, it's she so good. It. Have you read it already? It's so good. All of the Hallmark I feel like such a fangirl, yeah, but yeah. all of the Hallmark authors are so amazing. Every book I pick up, I'm like, no, this is going to be my favorite. And I read it and I'm just like, oh, no, this is my favorite now. Yeah. <laughs> they're all just so lovely and they're unique. You know, a lot of times I, I've heard Hallmark get a, I've heard people be negative about Hallmark and say, oh, they're, they're too formulaic or they're all the same or, oh, it's fluff. It's not no. like a lot of effort, a lot of heart and a lot of like thought goes into not just the Hallmark productions, not just the movies and all the channel stuff, but the books are, and they're all so good. And all of these writers that are in kind of the Hallmark pantheon now are amazing. And, um, you know, I would put them up against like anything that anybody is going to hold up as a good book. Like these are all amazing. So they're all worth your time. 
not just love on location. Anybody listening, just go out and buy it all. I don't know if there's an option on Amazon to just be like Hallmark Publishing entire catalog, but um, <laughs> I'm confident that anything that anybody would pick up anywhere they want to start, they're just, they're going to get something great. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I've read them all and I, I literally am so happy that I bought and read every single one of them. Yeah, um, they're so great. Now, there is a Hallmark thing. Sorry, uh, one more question I have to ask you. Um, I love this part. Have you made the blueberry cottage cheese pancakes recipe in the back of your book? I have. And that recipe, it's really good. They made it on Hallmark Home and Family, too. Did you see that segment? Not yet. So it's on the Hallmark Home and Family um, website. If anybody hasn't seen the segment, they actually cooked it on air. And so you can watch the host of Hallmark Home and Family, which is their morning show, cook the pancakes. But I have, and I love it. I have a similar recipe that uh, Hallmark actually created, the one that they cooked on air and the one that's in the book. But I personally make one that um, that a, doesn't have the yogurt in it. I believe the one in the, the book has a little bit of yogurt in it. It does. But, yeah. um, I, I don't use yogurt in mine. I like, I think it's a little fluffier with the yogurt, but these are pancakes that I have made before. And so I kind of slipped them in as an Easter egg again in the book because my husband loves them. And so I was like, I didn't expect that that was going to be the recipe they were going to pick because we talk about so much other food in the book. Yeah. They pick this and they're like, oh, we love this. We're going to develop this recipe. And so that was kind of a nice thing. Uh, it was a little personal connection that kind of grew. Yeah. And so I love, yeah. I love, I love that that was the recipe. Yeah, they're really good. <laughs> nice, nice, yeah. nice. Okay, I have to I have to find the right ingredients here in Sweden and go make them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all pretty simple. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Okay, so where can readers find you in your books? Let's and follow you and whatever else might be going on. Uh, and again, we're not, um, everybody's not going to hear you until April 11th. So I don't know if you know any conferences that are going to, be coming up in the summer, they're going to miss a couple of your things that are going to go on right away, but. So I don't have anything planned out uh, past the next month. So anything that anyone wants as far as updates on appearances or uh, conferences or any um, promotional things that are going on, definitely follow me on social media because I'm constantly updating it. Again, Twitter is Cass Carter Books. My website is CassidyCarter.com. Uh, on Facebook, um, it is uh, author Cassidy Carter, and all those links are on my website if anybody wants to find me. As far as the books go, you can buy them directly through Hallmark Publishing. You can buy them on Amazon at Barnes & Noble. You can find them on Kobo. The audiobooks are available on Amazon uh, through Audible. And any major retailer, uh, Target is carrying them online. Uh, most of the Hallmark publishing titles. So you can find us all over, just whatever retailer you prefer, we're likely there. So, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, Cassidy, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been great fun. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. Cool. Well, listen, um, happy writing. Good luck with the mystery. I can't wait to hear about it. Good. I want to know if you find the ingredients over there in Sweden to make those pancakes and, um, and how, what you thought of them. <laughs> Excellent. I'll let you know. <laughs> All right.